0: Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger. So don't waste another second. Again, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate and review Eblog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take 2 minutes. Press pause, go do it and come back and keep listening. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to another episode of Eat Blog Talk. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I have Kim Cotty and Chelsea Vitry with me from 10K Under 10K. And we are going to talk about the importance of personalizing your pitch to land brand deals within your niche. 10K Under 10K is a unique 2-to-1 coaching experience for bloggers, photographers, and nano-influencers in the food space. Founders Chelsea and Kim were able to successfully build full-time businesses working with brands by foolproofing their pitching, pricing, and negotiation skills, all while their social media accounts had under 10K followers. Their goal is to help educate and empower other creators in the food space to follow their passion and make their dreams reality. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to dive into this topic with you. But first, we all want to hear your fun facts. So maybe you could each take a turn with that. So why don't you go for it?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, I guess I will go first. Um, So this is Kim. Um, My fun fact is that when I was in college, I was on a game show um, with two of my girlfriends and we won. (gasps) Okay, what game show and what what did you win? Um so it was called Chain Reaction on the Game Show Network. Um, and we won it was somewhere between like $7 and $8,000, which like as a college student was like hitting the Jack lottery.
0: Pot, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Not many people can say that. I think I may have had one other guest say they won something on a game show and I'm trying to think who it was, but Definitely unique. Fun facts. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. <laughs> Chelsea, what about you?
2: My fun fact is that I stopped eating meat at the age of five years old. So I'm 31 right now. It's been 26 years without any meat.
0: <laughs> wow. So what prompted you at age five to not want to eat meat? Oh my gosh. So I was in preschool and we went to a
2: farm and they showed us what meat was made out of. And I was just so upset. I was such a big animal lover. I raced home and I was like, mom, I can't do this. I can't eat my friends. So <laughs>
0: I can't eat my friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you've stuck with it all this time. Not that you're that old, but that's pretty incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: I was a very stubborn child. And <laughs> luckily my mom adapted and was really cool about it. So I was fortunate.
0: That's awesome because I can see a lot of parents being like, no, you're five. You're going to eat your meat. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, you ladies are here, not here to talk about game shows and um, (laughs) becoming a vegetarian at age five, but that was awesome. But let's talk about why you're here. And that is personalizing your pitch so that you can land awesome brand deals within your niche. And would one of you want to just start by talking through what a pitch even is, if somebody listening is not familiar with that term, and why food bloggers should have one? Why, is, you know, why should we even have this on our radar?
2: Absolutely. So a pitch is a presentation of your ideas that you're going to present to a brand that you'd like to partner with. The brand should have a clear understanding from your pitch, who you are, the capacity in which how you would like to work with them, and what you have to offer the brand.
0: Okay. So if anyone has working with brands on their radar at all, they should be under, they should understand what a pitch is and they should have one prepared. So how do we go about adding personal touches to our pitches? Because I can see where, you know, just getting consumed in the thought that I'm a food blogger and then like all the pitches kind of sound alike. So how do we differentiate ourselves and add those personal touches that are really important?
1: Um yeah so basically like Chelsea said this is your first introduction to a brand. So when you're reaching out to a brand that you super want to work with um you know making sure that they understand who you are and what you can do for them is pretty much like key step number 1 and I know Sometimes as food bloggers, we don't actually necessarily think that you need to have a pitch um, or even know what it is. But working with brands is an amazing way for newer food bloggers, especially to kind like while we're waiting to get accepted to MediaVine, you know, that kind of holy grail at the end of this (laughs) road. Um, It's an it's an awesome way to really start earning an income doing what you love. Um, and also, it's a great way to get your blog posts. It, you know, When we're talking about uh, sponsored posts and pitching and stuff, a lot of times we're talking about social media. But I think what people don't realize is that you can also get your blog posts sponsored as well. So it's just an awesome way to earn some additional income while you're preparing for Mediavine.
0: And that is a common theme because people see getting those um, ads on their blogs as like the end-all, be-all. Like Everyone wants that. You get in and you see other people really making a lucrative income with ads. But I think people lose sight of the fact that there are many things you can do as you're waiting for that. And it doesn't have to be like the end-all, be-all. You can actually... I know bloggers who start working with brands and they love it and they don't even care about the ads because it's such a fun avenue for them to explore. So it doesn't... um, It's kind of like taking the pressure off, right? Like, Yes, you can have ads eventually if you want, if that aligns with you down the road. But why don't you distract yourself with something that could be really fun? And I think working with brands is really fun because... Each brand has a different personality too, just like we as food bloggers have different personalities and we create pitches that are unique to us. Um, working with each brand is like having a new friend, right? Because they they have different people exactly. you can get to know and their products are all different. So I think it's a really great way to dig into something totally different. Um, okay. So we talked about like the importance of adding personal touches Uh, Can one of you talk about how to prepare a pitch? Like, is there a standard template that you guys recommend using? Um, Is it something that you prepare in a written form, or do you, yeah, like, how do you go about that?
2: Absolutely. So, it is something that we focus on a lot. Um, As you might know, we have a coaching um, business. So, we focus on that a lot with our clients, and we have them. Write out draft templates for their pitches. And we find that to be really important um, to kind of tailor your pitches. Of course, you're going to personalize them to each and every brand because you need to show the brand why you are perfect to work for them and why they are perfect for you to work with them. Um, it's definitely a mutual benefit on both sides. Um, so the way that we work, we have. Somewhat of a template, but there's big gaps in it in the sense of how you are going to personalize Mm -hmm. it. And that's for both content creation, whether making recipes um, and beautiful food photography uh, or shooting beautiful um, photographs of food, or whether you want to pitch them for a sponsored post or both. They are a little bit different.
0: Okay. So, again, like personalizing, you know, based on. Different brands, we have to personalize based on what we have to offer. So, if we're great photographers and we know we want to offer those services, then we can cater it to that. So, do you guys have a template now? Is that something that people get if they hire you for your services? Can they have access to your template? And if they don't, how do you recommend? Because I can see this as something where Like, say I'm a new food blogger and I'm hearing this. I'm like, well, okay, that sounds great, but I, I really have nowhere, no idea where to start. You know, like, how do you layer it? Is that making sense?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, um, for each and every one of our clients, we have a couple different packages that we offer, um, but both packages did come with um, some bonuses, and pitching templates were one of them. So we kind of came up with. Um, just a general template for what we would send via DM on Instagram versus what we would send as an email pitch template. Um, because a lot of times when you're making this first connection with a brand, it's via Instagram. Um, and then you're moving it to email. So they're very different um, in in terms of like what you would say.
0: That's a good point. Because a lot of Food bloggers have been conditioned to reach out first on Instagram, so a pitch there, or it might just be like copy leading up to a pitch. I don't know what you would call that, but a pitch there probably looks very different. It's probably a few sentences, right?
2: Definitely, it's it's much smaller, um, and of course, we walk through people. We walk through with our clients. You don't want to just cold pitch. Um, a brand on Instagram, you need to warm them up a little bit. So that's something important to do. And um, actually, by the time this episode airs, we will have a freebie for our pitch DM that we'll provide to people, anybody that signs up for our email list. So if you're interested in that, definitely sign up for our email.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So how do you warm up a brand before you give an official pitch? What are ways you can do that?
1: So basically... You want to be following them. That's like the number one rule. Sure. And that would be bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know you. I don't follow you, but. <laughs> right. But please work with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what we usually like to do is if it's a brand that is maybe newer to us, we make sure we follow them. We make sure we're engaging with their posts, engaging with their stories so that you're getting in their DMs and you can kind of really organically get that conversation flowing. Um, and then, you know, once you've. Been doing that for you know a little bit of time. We always recommend like you know at least a month or so, so they really you're really on their radar and it doesn't feel spammy. Um, then you can reach out and say you know Hey, I've been following you for a while, or I've been using your products for a while, or whatever the case is, and just kind of send them just a quick introduction about yourself, what you do, um, and you know that you're looking to partner with them. Um, and generally that results in getting the proper email address and contact name and contact information where you then can reach out and really let the brand know who you are, what you do, how you can provide them value, all those really important buzzwords that I think we're hearing all over the place right now.
0: Yeah. And preferably, you already know and love the brand and have been following them and engaging with them. But if you haven't, and you actually do like their product or service go start, follow them. That would be really embarrassing, right? If they were like, mm-hmm. um, by the way, you're not even following us. Oh, So yeah, make sure you're following them first. Um, engage with their content. Let them know that you're there and loving it. And okay, I have a question about... Because this has happened to me. What if you reach out to a brand and you? I, I have in the past like loved brands. I've been following them forever. And I'm like, oh, I would really like to work with them. And then you reach out and you hear nothing and you reach out again, maybe try a different different wording and nothing. And then you try maybe via email and nothing. What do you do at that point? Do you just... Do you keep going? Do you try to find another platform? Do you give up? I don't know.
2: Are, are they read... In this case, are they reading it and not responding or are they just...
0: I would... Yeah. Yes. So that's... Within the past year, that's happened at least twice to me. And I don't work with brands a lot, but... Every once in a while, I get a wild hair. And I'm like, oh, I think that would be fun to work with brand X. And that has happened.
2: No, of course. and we, Again, we see that happen a lot. And that used to happen to us a lot. So the best part is making your pitch as juicy as possible, as irresistible to that brand as possible. Um, see what content that they might be missing. Find the gaps in their content. Pitch that. If there's a holiday coming up, pitch that. You have to be really strategic about how you pitch them. Again, we are not saying that this is full full foolproof in the sense that you are likely to get a response, but we can't control brands always. But this is more likely to get a response.
0: (laughs) Okay. I love that line. Make it as juicy as possible. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. But that reminds me... So my husband does not work with me. But every once in a while, he'll be like, you should work with this brand. They'd be really great for your company, a great fit. And this summer, at the beginning of the summer, he started wearing these like um, swim trunks for men that were just like a little bit unique and they had like bold patterns. And he loved them. And I posted about them a few times on Instagram. And I had a few people reach out and say, Oh my gosh, my husband or boyfriend or significant other would absolutely love those. So then my husband was like, Well, we should reach out to this brand. And even though i'm not like a fashion blogger it might be fun to actually talk about them so he sent them this email that was super funny and i don't think he knows how hard it is to like get brands attention so he sent the email he didn't tell me what he wrote and then he's like oh i heard back from you know the brand i'm like what they wrote you back and he was like yeah why what's the big deal and i was like let me read your email and it was hilarious he was like I'm gonna wear these swim trunks in Deadwood, South Dakota. I'm gonna rock the Black Hills in these things. And it was like I couldn't even tell you what he it was hilarious. I should actually find that and post it somewhere. But you know, yeah, they responded to him. I think that's that speaks like really well to
1: like mindset around mm. pitching brands. Oh. Cause he there was nothing on, um, you know, he had nothing to lose at that point.
0: No preconceived notions about working with brands at all.
1: Exactly. I think that's actually a really great anecdote to share with people who are new to reaching out to brands because it can feel so intimidating and so scary. But if you just are yourself, like authentically you, of course, they're going to respond to you.
2: I agree. Um, Especially because these content managers get dozens and dozens of pitches, really need to stand out in the sea of pitches. And personalizing it, but making it your own is so important. There's so, And of course, Kim and I have a template too, but we love it when we see our clients make the template their own. You don't need to follow our exact wording. You, we really want you to make it your own so you stand out even
0: more. Yeah. I feel like my husband should hire out his services. Because I was just going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best. I mean, I really do feel like I should go search that down now. But yeah... I- the mindset thing is such a great point too, because he had no idea when I told him that it was generally pretty hard to get a hold of brands. He was shocked. He was like, "Well, they wrote me back." I'm like, "Yeah, that is. It's really not normal to get an email right away." Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: amazing. And I think. I think a lot of times when people here know a lot, they they like you said the mindset they go in thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to get a response," and you know, you kind of. Manifest that you're not going to get a response, you really need to go in and say if I get a response that's great. if I don't get a response, it's okay. I'm moving on and I'm finding the next brand that I can align with, and they will want to work with me because I have so much to give this brand.
0: Oh, that was very well said. I agree. mindset is everything not just with working with brands but everything in business because we can get it in our minds like one track, and then we get so focused on it that we we get obsessed and we get like we cling too tightly. And then it just never happens. So yeah, I love that.
1: There's always beauty in letting go.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Something that we all need to work on. I feel like surrendering a little bit is yes. there's so much power in that. So what if there's a brand that we don't necessarily like know and love? We haven't been following them forever, but we're looking for those brands you know, that could Potentially align with our businesses. What are some things that we can look for that would be good, like signals for us that we might be a good fit for one another?
1: Sure. So if it's a brand new brand that you've never heard of, never used before, and they're, you know, wanting to work with you and they seem legit and they're not just throwing free product at you and like expecting something in return, (laughs) um, (laughs) which some of them do. The way I personally kind of approach that is number one, like, would I authentically use this product in my everyday life? Like, if I were not a blogger, if I were not a photographer, would I use this? And the second question is, is this going to benefit my audience? So, would my audience genuinely and authentically use this? And if that is also a yes, then for me, there are certain other you know, things that I think about that are important to me. Um, I'm a gluten-free and low FODMAP blogger. So if they don't meet that criteria, then it's going to have to be a hard pass. Um, however, I, they wouldn't have even gotten to that question, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're somebody who maybe is a little unsure of what your niche is, you um, You could think about, like, well, what's really important to me in a company that I would use? Like, is sustainability important to me? Um, Is charitable donations something that's important to me? You know, go through. And if you don't have this list already in your mind, you know, take some time and kind of write down a few reasons why you choose the brands that you choose, Um, just, you know, for yourself in your everyday life. And then that's kind of like your little checklist when you get reached out to by an unfamiliar brand. If they're not checking all these boxes, it's probably not a great idea to partner with them.
0: It all comes down to sincerity, right? If yes. you truly aren't sincere, it's probably not going to work. My husband could never have written that email if he didn't truly love those swim shorts, whatever they yeah. are. Yeah. It, like you need to be authentically in love with the brand to start. And I think and you're- that.
2: Like I completely agree. There. <laughs> and you know it's going to show if we're talking about sponsored posts, it's going to show to your audience if you don't authentically mm-hmm. love them. If yeah. you're just going in hot with a product that you've never shown them before, um, with which tip, if you are working with a brand that you've never shown to your audience before, maybe before you post that sponsored post, you go into your stories a week or 10 days before and you kind of warm your audience up to their product just to Show them that you like that. So it's not just out of the blue, because I think that trust is such a big factor and you are where you are because of your community. Mm -hmm. So you really don't want to shock them. You really don't want to make them feel that you're spamming them or pushing any products down their face.
0: Yeah. And they will see that, right? I feel like if I just randomly popped out some appliance that I've never used or talked about, my audience would be like, What is she doing? And they would be turned off by that.
2: Yeah. 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 And it happens. It does happen. But for me, when I'm looking to partner with a brand, I really think of 3 things. The brand, my community, and myself. And my community comes first in that. Are you going to align with my community? Am I going to provide a value to my community through this sponsored post? Because why would the brand want to work with me if my community
0: wasn't interested in them? So if you can't... Answer those questions and be confident in them. Don't even pursue it.
2: Yeah, run away, run away. <laughs> and I have—I'm I'm a vegan vegan food blogger, and I've had meat brands approach me before, and I'm oh. like, oh, wow, you really didn't look at my my Instagram, and all have you?" It's just—it's interesting. <laughs> they that need to personalize their pitch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they need to work on their. Well, I get like for my podcast, I get people who pitch me fairly frequently that like clearly have no idea what even like a food blogger is, or they've never listened to an episode and Mm. it's such a turnoff. I'm like, if you, if you're just looking for a podcast to be on or a platform to be a part of, if we're talking food blogging, I don't really want to, I mean, I'm sure you're a lovely person, but I don't really want you to be on my show because that will show that they're like, Oh, what, what do you guys do in food blogging? Well, Food bloggers are listening. They want you to know what they're doing, you know? So it's kind of the same thing. Kim, if there are people listening who have not yet honed in on their niche, because this is a big topic for food bloggers, what are your recommendations for those people when it comes to finding brand work?
1: This is one of my favorite questions in the world. Um, so I guess I'll kind of start quickly with how I found my niche. Cause I think that that's a little bit helpful in my answer. Um, so I actually found my niche through a problem I needed to solve for myself. Um, I was diagnosed with something called SIBO and IBS and adrenal fatigue and a laundry list of other, um, autoimmune issues. And which led me to going gluten-free and starting a low FODMAP diet. So my food blog, manifested out of that diagnosis, which I know is a little bit more um, of the exception and not necessarily the rule. Um, So if you don't have a health issue that has kind of guided your recipe development, think about, I think the first thing you can think about is have you solved any problems in your own life, with your recipe development, so like, are you a super busy mom and you're juggling a food, a full time job while you're food blogging, and you have a couple of kids and you know a life? Um, have you made things simpler for yourself through the recipes that you're developing? Um, and you know, of course, you can solve many problems through meal prep and and food, etc. So just sort of like taking a step back and thinking about have you solved problems in your life through your recipes? Um, If you haven't, another great idea is to take a peek at what you've been sharing either on your blog or your social media, your Pinterest, your Instagram, whatever it is, and take a look at maybe like the top five posts um, on each because it tends to be different. So you're... Posts that are performing well on your blog might not necessarily be what's performing well on your Instagram or your Pinterest. So, maybe taking like the average of those three and being, and you know, taking a step back and saying, Wow, people really love all of my chocolate recipes, or people are really into my barbecue recipes. Like, do I want to start heading down that road and seeing where it takes me? So, it's there's actually a lot of fun in the beginning. Because you can really just like play with anything and let that guide you to a niche. As long as it
0: feels authentic to you too, though.
1: I think that's a really big piece that, that's important.
0: I love how you said all of that. I wrote so many notes. So it, it could be... First of all, there are so many parts of food and recipes and cooking and recipe development. I mean, there's so many pieces of it that you could focus on. You can focus on meal prep. You can focus on parties. You can focus—I mean, the list goes on and on. So we can look at an approach that we take regarding cooking or baking, or we can look at a food, or we can do both, and all of the above. Right? So you could do like a common. I know um, food bloggers who have really specific, um, like directions where they focus on a like grilling, grilling paleo, or you know grilling you know, something really specific. And then they also talk about approaches. So surveying the food once you've grilled it, things like that. So you could go so many different routes. And that's what I love about food blogging.
1: Yes. And there's yes. like, I don't know. It's, I, I'm going to get on a tangent right now, but it's just, it's just like so much fun to try everything. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, yes. <laughs> and seeing what sticks in the beginning. It, it, if you really don't know what you want to do yet, Just experiment with it and have fun because I think that the having fun and the passion behind it is what's going to resonate the most Mm -hmm. with your audience. And when they see a recipe that really has heart in it, I think that's what's going to perform best for you.
0: And that's always the case, right? Like If we are talking about working with brands and supporting something that we're... Um, some sponsored work we're doing or whatever it is, like any project that we create and put out into the world, if there's not heart in it, people will see it. But if there is heart, immediately, you know You're like, that person loves that brand or this yes. ebook that they created or this message that they're delivering through their brand. So I love that. I love this topic. I could go on a huge tangent as well. <laughs> I know, <same>. <laughs> <laughs> And I loved your recommendation to just consider what problems you yourself have had in the realm of food. And when I think of that, it's so clear. It took me almost 10 years to figure out what my niche was. It was there all along. I mean, it was like the problem that I've always had. I make food. I love making food for people. I love gathering people together. But at the end of the day, I am exhausted because I spend so much time. And then I'm sad because I can't spend time with my people. Because I'm exhausted. So that was like my problem all along. And finally it came down to me just doing that. Like, what problem am, am I having? And what am I like subliminally telling people about my cooking experience? And I'm sure they they could probably see it better than I could, you know. <laughs> like sometimes other people can see your niche better than you can. Do you think that?
1: Absolutely. I think sometimes and I think that kind of goes for like anything in life, it's sometimes it's really hard to see so what's true. right in front of you. And you yep. just kind of have to take a step back and you know let it tell you.
0: Yeah, I, I am so good at like, somebody can bring a business problem to me or a life problem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. Here's what you need to do. It's so clear. But then when I have the same problem, I'm like, help, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so it's almost like you could embody, like take your problem and put it in someone else's situation and pretend it's like, Karen, Karen is having this problem. What does Karen do?
1: <laughs> it's always easier to think about others, which is yeah. a whole other like left-turn topic that we could totally. go down. But
0: <laughs> Different conversation, but we yeah. should have that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you'll have some strong thoughts here, but what are your thoughts about working in exchange for free products?
1: Oh, I do have strong thoughts.
0: <laughs>
1: this is such a hot topic right now. And I do want to preface all of this with we have all been there. I had one experience in the very beginning where I did work for free. And I did not feel great about it. Um, I, my thought process was like, oh, you know, if I, if I do this for them then they will want to work with me. They will want to pay me because they will think this is such... I did such a great job. Um, and while this can happen, uh, it's pretty rare. So I wouldn't recommend going that avenue. Um, I just... I don't recommend working. It's, you're working for free, right? Like, Especially as a blogger and a photographer especially if you're you know you're being contracted for photos or they want high resolution photos from you my goodness one photo can take you hours um and like you'll hear this often but i really love this example like let's say you're hiring a contractor you want to do some work on your kitchen right so your contractor is going to draft you up a quote for everything that you've requested and you're not going to then say to this person, "Okay, great. Can I buy you dinner in exchange for giving me new kitchen countertops?" <laughs> like you're you're just that's just never going to happen. And it's so interesting because this industry is one of the only industries that I've come across in my life where people think it's acceptable mm-hmm to work for free. And I don't necessarily just mean the food blogging industry. I mean, the creative industry. Um, I'm a former wardrobe stylist. And when I first started out as a stylist, I would run into this all the time. Like in my early 20s, I just wanted to make it, you know, that feeling of like, this is my dream. I have to go for it. I'll work for free. I'll do whatever it takes. That led me nowhere, except for burnt out, exhausted and wanting to do something else.
0: Not good things, right? (laughs) And I think that to lead... um, To echo what Kim said,
2: working for free is really a great way to burn yourself out. You're never going to hit your monetary goals if you're working for free. And most likely, if you're a food blogger or if you want to work with brands, it's to make extra money, to supplement your income, to be your full-time income, one or the other. So, you know, what brands will do is they'll gaslight you and they'll say, oh, just take a quick picture. It won't take a long time. It Mm -hmm. does take a long time. It takes a long time to, you know, find a great recipe that aligns with their community, develop that recipe, test it, photograph it, edit it, write a great caption, perhaps write a great blog post, and then anchor it onto social media so it doesn't flop and gets great attention. So, you know, a lot goes into that. But I've had so many brands say, oh, well, we just need a simple picture. Well, it's not that simple. So don't fall for that because it takes more time than you think it will.
0: Do you think it's worthwhile to at times explain that process to brands? Like, If someone did reach out and say, oh, it's just a quick picture. What do you think about replying with like, okay, well, here's the breakdown of actually what it does take me and how I value my time, like maybe putting a dollar amount there as well?
2: I actually do that. I say I'm so flattered that you would like to work with me. However, um, due to the amount of time that it, that X Y Z takes, I'm only offer I'm only. I'm only working with paid partnerships at this time. And Kim has actually sent mock invoices to demonstrate how much it will cost and how much time goes into it. Yes, oh, I love that. Favorite thing to do
1: is to send oh. the itemized mock invoice to show because I think. You know, I'm I am a photographer and recipe developer first and foremost, so that's how I present myself. Um and so when somebody is asking me for photos and trying to pay me like $100, I'm like, "Yeah, but guess what? You're forgetting about editing time. You're forgetting about Yeah. You're forgetting about are my expertise, my knowledge, yeah. my skills, and the time it took me to learn to do the things that you want me to do to then generate money and sales for your company.
0: Oh, I love that you do that. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> and that is okay, I just have to bring this up because that is such a great point. And this applies to like coaching or anytime you're teaching or doing something that requires, you know, a a lot of different things like working with brands. It requires so many different moving parts. They are not just paying for the photos or the writing. They're paying for your knowledge. They're paying for all of the the courses you've taken. They're paying for the podcast episodes you've listened to hundreds of hours worth of them. They're paying for all the people you've talked to, the research you've done. I love that. And That is just another way to um, like add value to yourself. And we need to do that more often in this industry, I believe. Like, you are valuable. Your knowledge and your expertise and your skills, all of it is valuable. And it just feels better working, like, doing brand work when you're getting paid too, when you're actually getting what you're worth. I don't enjoy working when I know that I could be earning more, but when I know that they're paying me what I'm worth, then it's like fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're going to produce way better uh, content, no matter so who you are. If you're getting paid, it's one thing. You know, if you're building your own business and you're taking pay cuts, it's another thing. If you're building somebody else's business, and that's what brands are doing, you're they're having you build their business and they're marketing for them by having you work for free, which really is not great, and you're hurting other creators who would be charging for these services. So. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing that we see a lot is because somebody thinks they don't have ten thousand followers; they only have two thousand followers, one thousand followers. They need to work for free, and it's it, no. We have clients that have two thousand followers that make a lot of money from brand deals. So mm-hmm. even sponsored posts. So mm-hmm. no reason to work for free. You don't need that that first brand deal under your belt to start working with brands. You don't need to get this experience. You don't need to do that brand any favors. You really don't.
0: Yeah. I don't how big the brand is. All great points. This is so great. I love this conversation.
1: Is it okay if I touch back on, if I go yeah. back to talking about adding value real quick? Because Absolutely. This is something that a lot of people don't understand how to show, and you just demonstrated it like perfectly. Um, just your expertise is value. And, and, and it's really just as simple as that. Like, were you a photographer? Were you like a portrait photographer before you decided to become a food mm-hmm. blogger? Or are you a classically trained chef? Um, you know, what skills do you have to bring to the table? That's it. That's, that's it. That's the best way to show your value. It doesn't have to be this crazy, uh, you know, overthought kind of, uh, you know, notion that you share with them. It's really just as simple and it doesn't ever have to have anything to do with your followers.
2: I agree with that. And for people that may be listening that are like, well, I'm not a trained chef. I'm not a professional photographer. Think about something else. Have you always made your own meals? For me, because I was a vegetarian, I always made my own meals because my entire family ate meat. So I can confidently say since 5 years old, I've been preparing meat-free meals. So think about that. Are you really great at making quick dinners because you're a full-time mom and um, that's just how you get through the week? Are you great at meal prepping? Just... Think of things like that. It doesn't have to be so professional. It's what you do in your everyday life.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like, I went to school for four years to be a chef. And it doesn't have to be along those lines. It can be, I am the mother of six children and I've made like 90,000 meals. So (laughs) I know what I'm doing.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you mastered how to make meals for six different picky children. And how to do it during the work week. I mean, that's that is a skill in itself. So just think about these things, really reflect on yourself. Write down a piece, write down on a piece of paper, like throughout the week, things that make you special and unique that maybe ask other people, ask your husband, ask your brother, ask your family, because sometimes you can't see it within yourself of what makes you special.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is great, you guys. Okay. Is there anything? Let me rephrase that. I'll ask you each what is your number one takeaway, would you say, for food bloggers listening who are interested in this topic, interested in working with brands? um, Anything along the lines of what, what we've discussed? What would be your number one takeaway each for those people?
1: Yeah. So I think if there's only one thing that you can take away from this conversation today, it's that there are so many opportunities available to food bloggers. And like I said earlier, especially new bloggers who are really looking to do this full-time and create a living from it. Working with brands is probably the best way to do that. And remembering that you are worth being paid.
0: Amen. Okay, Chelsea, how are you going to top that?
2: Oh, I, I, I'm going to... <laughs> I know. Jeez, drop the mic, Kim. You know, just remembering that your follower count does not matter. You know, get through those roadblocks in your head. You'll never feel fully ready to send that first pitch email. Just start doing it. You will perfect it over time. My pitch emails that I started with were not that great. I've perfected them over time. Um, so just... You're never going to feel ready. Just start doing it. It's okay if you hear no. Keep going. You will find those brands that want to work with you.
0: Awesome. And I think I'm going to send you guys my husband's um, unknowing pitch oh God, <laughs> to the brand to see and it. see what you think. <laughs> yes. You can use it. I Feel free to use it as like a template or whatever. Seriously. <laughs> and I think he could probably get a new job doing that.
1: I love it. Maybe Uh, we We'll help them out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here. So Chelsea, earlier you mentioned a resource that you guys have that's going to be available um, in October, right? Do you want to give us a little more information about that?
2: Absolutely. So we are launching a mastermind course that is going to be all things... Um, working with brands, it's not just about pitching. It's also about pricing. It's also about executing the brand deals, um, sending those invoices, how to accept payment, the um, how to work with a brand through sponsor posts, how to do content creation in terms of recipe development and photography for their website. We kind of walk you through it every step that in terms of brand work. Um, So we were launching that in October 2021. And for anybody that's listening, and is interested, if you write to us by October 15th via DM at 10k under 10k, or email 10k under 10k at Gmail, we will offer you 10% off of that course. Just mention that you listened to this Eat Talk blog episode, and we'd be happy to provide that discount for you.
0: Awesome. That is such a generous offer. So thank you for doing that. And good luck with your venture. That sounds amazingly resourceful and awesome. Um, Okay. Also, favorite quote or words of inspiration. I like to ask all of my guests for something, either one of those. So I don't know if you guys want to um, just have one of you share or each of you can choose one. I'll let you decide.
1: We both picked short ones so that we okay, can good. both share. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so mine is a quote from Michelle Obama. And it is, there is no magic to achievement. It's really about hard work, choices, and persistence.
0: Mm, that's so succinctly and perfectly said. I love that. <laughs>
2: and mine is, don't wish for it more than you work for it. <laughs> By unknown. Uh, <laughs> by unknown. By, Ch- by Chelsea Beecher. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> You can just claim that one, Chelsea. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank we, you so much. Yeah, we're going to put together a show notes page for you guys. So if anyone wants to go peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash 10k under 10k and definitely check out Kim and Chelsea online and on Instagram if you're interested in working with brands and getting more information about it. Um, your Instagram handle, is that just 10K under 10K or?
1: Yes. Yeah, um, our coaching handle is at 10K underscore under underscore 10K. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: I followed. I followed okay. a lot of that. Try to say it <laughs> nice and slow. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Try to say that really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. This was really fun. A great way to start my rainy day. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to EatBlogTalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.